The Bible Study Podcast, episode 590. Today, the Bible Study Podcast begins a study of the book of Mark. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We are done with the study of the kings of Israel and Judah. That took a year and a half. This one should only take about four weeks. This is the shortest of all the Gospels, the four Gospels in the Bible, being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not written in that order. If we put them in order of appearance, Mark would be first, and then Matthew and Luke, roughly the same time, and then John much later. And so Mark is the first of the Gospels written, and I was always told that Mark was written, has been attributed to John Mark, and John Mark appears in the Bible, but not a whole lot. He is not an apostle, as Matthew or John were, and he is, like Luke, a traveling companion with Paul, at least. And he is a traveling companion with Paul on his first missionary journey, if you look in the book of Acts. He's a young man. In fact, he is so young that he gets homesick and goes home in the middle of that journey, and there's a break between Paul and and Barnabas as to whether to take him on the second journey, because Barnabas says, sure, let's take him. And Paul says, no, this guy's a quitter. Basically, this guy left us in the middle of our first journey. He's just immature. Let's take somebody else instead. And they split ways at that point. Now, later on, Mark will show up in some of Paul's letters as someone who is apparently grown into usefulness and maturity. And then I was taught that tradition had it that Mark became a traveling companion of Peter and that he wrote the gospel probably after the death of Peter in Rome about what Peter said. But what I didn't realize is where that comes from. So I did a little more research on that. And that comes from the writings of one of the early church fathers, Papias of Hierapolis, Hierapolis, which is now in Turkey, near Pumukale, if you know the pools of Pumukale, just to the east of Ephesus. This is someone who was born in 60 AD, so he's some of that second generation of Christians. He becomes a bishop, and he writes in one of his books, the elder used to say, Mark, in his capacity as Peter's interpreter, wrote down accurately as many things as he recalled from memory though not in an ordered form, of the things either said or done by the Lord. For he neither heard the Lord nor accompanied him, but later, as I said, Peter, who used to give his teachings in the form of a crea, but had no intention of providing an ordered arrangement of the logia of the Lord. And so what he's saying here, and he's using two Greek terms, he's saying that Peter talked in a form of a small anecdotes about a particular character that Peter would give these brief sort of stories, shorter than a narrative, um, often a couple sentences. And so it doesn't lend itself to long storytelling. And so Mark took some of those stories, accumulated them over time, and wrote his account. Now, that may be one of the reasons why we're going to see in Mark's account he doesn't have as much of the teaching of Jesus. Mark wasn't an eyewitness to that. And Peter, it sounds like in the way that he is telling things, isn't relating long segments of Jesus' teaching. And so we will rely on Matthew and Luke and to some extent John also for getting that information. There's also the issue of who he's writing this to. 
And our understanding, just in brief and simplicity, is that Mark, as he's writing first, is writing, again, probably just after Peter is killed in Rome, and he is writing a book to the Romans. The Romans who care about power. What did Jesus do? The Romans to whom a son of God is not that strange. They certainly have all sorts of accounts of that. The son of God, of course, would be something quite strange because the God would be something that is outside their belief system. Luke will write later on, and he will write as a Greek physician, another traveling companion from Paul. If you want to know where we got that, listen to the study we did on Luke or on Acts, both of which written by him. And in Acts 16, Luke starts to come into the story, and the story changes from third person to first person and changes back again a couple times. And so he's somebody who traveled with Paul also, who researches all of his writings as he spends time with Paul and probably also with Mary, who ends up with John in Ephesus. And we know that Paul spent a fair amount of time in Ephesus and Luke with him. Matthew, of course, an eyewitness, writes his account, and strangely enough, since he is the publican, since he is the tax collector, he is the one who is writing an account to the Jews, and he is the one who writes, quoting Old Testament scripture with, don't you remember the prophets said this sort of thing. And then John writes last, and so John gets the last word, and so John's gospel, quite different. We call it one of the, not one of the synoptic gospels. These other three are gospels that try and put things in an order. But John writes more about the why. By the time you've read his gospel, you've probably read probably all three of the other gospels. They've been collected and distributed and copied at this point. And so what he writes is, why did Jesus say that? And who was this Jesus? More than just what he saw and what he heard. With that, we start the study of the gospel of Mark. Mark 1, John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up from the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. And, of course, I say that Matthew uses all of the Old Testament quotes, and Mark starts with one, but he doesn't use them a lot, so don't get used to that. As I describe the four different Gospels, it is an oversimplification, so here's just a good example of that. But Mark doesn't have a Christmas account. Mark starts with John the Baptist, and he starts at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, and that's what Mark is going to focus on. 
And if you think about it, it makes a little bit of sense, especially if we're talking about this being Peter's gospel, because he's going to jump right into the calling of the first disciples, where Peter was, of course, there. Peter being the first one called, uh, Peter and his brother Andrew. Andrew, you may remember, was a disciple of John the Baptist. And so Andrew was probably a witness of this first part. And so that would certainly be something that Peter had heard since he had traveled with his brother for at least two or three years afterwards. And so we start with John. John is baptizing. John is out in the desert preparing the way for Jesus. John is sort of the last of the Old Testament prophets. He comes in that real... Old Testament prophet garb, and he is preaching repent. And if we look at the Gospels in the Old Testament, again, many of them have that same sort of turn around, turn around, turn around, you change your ways, and or else is really what a lot of them are saying. As we're just completing the study of the kings of Israel and Judah, you may remember mention of all of those prophets who are bringing this news that you're going in the wrong direction. So John sounds like that. And so people haven't heard prophets in Israel for about 500 years, and so they're coming out to see what this is all about. And in the midst of that, Jesus comes out, and he is baptized. Mark's versions are going to tend to be a little shorter than the ones you're familiar with, so we don't get John saying, should I baptize you, you should baptize me. We don't get all of that discussion, we just get what happened. Mark would make a good newspaper reporter. It's just the facts, who said what, and move on. And his is the shortest of all the Gospels. And so Jesus comes, he's baptized, and then he is proclaimed to be the Son of God by this voice coming out of heaven. And then he goes out in the wilderness, but it doesn't talk about the time of the temptation. We just know he goes out in the wilderness, and he's with in the wilderness for 40 days. And then it continues with Jesus' ministry. Jesus announces the good news. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And so Jesus starts his ministry. We don't hear a lot of details other than him basically saying, okay, now the time has come. The kingdom of God has come. Again, repent. And then he starts calling people. And first we get Simon, Peter, and his brother Andrew. And then we get James and John. And again, John and Andrew had both been disciples of John the Baptist, but we have to rely on the other Gospels to know that. Mark doesn't tell that part of the story. But they have apparently gone home and they're fishing here because John the Baptist has been arrested. And again, Mark doesn't tell that side of the story. It's one of the reasons why we have more than one Gospel written to different people, but they tell us different things because each has a particular point that they're trying to drive home to a particular audience. And then the next two stories here are Jesus in his ministry as one who heals and brings deliverance. They went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. 
Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. This theme of authority, this authority over demons, authority over diseases, is something that we will see, I believe, throughout Mark. The other thing that I think is interesting in this story, so Simon Peter's mother-in-law is healed. One, Simon Peter has a mother-in-law, uh, which I, I apologize to those of you who are listening from a Catholic background, because that is something that is de-emphasized in the Catholic Church, as are the verses that talk about Jesus' brothers and sisters. But she is healed from a fever, and I like the fact that the first thing she does is she begins to work. She begins to wait on them. In the same way that when Simon and Andrew are called, when James and John are called, they're called to do something, right? They're called to work. They're called to become fishers of men. Our calling is not, and this sort of feels like a real Markian thing to say, to just sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and learn. Our calling is to action, and Mark is a gospel of action. We won't get as much of his teaching, but we'll get a lot of what he does. And it's interesting to me that these first two stories he has of disciples talk about them taking action as well. It continues, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning, See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded you for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. And so Jesus, first thing he does after all this busy day of healing is he goes out and he prays, um, giving us some example of what we should be doing. This is a gospel of action, but it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't take time apart to spend with his heavenly father. And 
they say, hey, let's go back into town. There's so much more that people want. And he says, let's spread this around. Let's go to other places. And along the way, he meets this man who has leprosy. And I say along the way because it's not likely that this man would come into a town because he has to stay apart from people. Part of the problem with leprosy, again, was not just that you were sick, but was that you could not come into contact with people, with your family, with your loved ones, with your friends, and so you needed to leave the community. And so Jesus heals him, but as he heals him, he says, now go show yourself. The way you get back into community is you go show yourself to the priest. The priest says, okay, I can see that this is gone. Maybe it wasn't really leprosy. Maybe it was something else. But for whatever reason, you give these offerings, and you're declared cleansed, and then you can go home. So he doesn't do that as he's supposed to do. Instead, he goes showing everyone else and telling everybody else. And the consequences of that is that now Jesus is no longer teaching in the towns because he can't, because there's so much commotion going on about him that he's going out and preaching as we have seen him in the other gospels, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. He's going out and he's preaching outside of the towns, and that's why this is going on. But people are still coming out to hear him preach. Again, it's not that Mark doesn't say that Jesus spends a lot of time teaching. He just doesn't give us a lot of details. But that is Mark 1. And so we have begun our journey. And I hope it is a journey that you will learn something from. hope it's a journey you will join me with. And that together we can see a little more of Jesus through the words of Mark. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.